Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas to you. Um, For our sermon series leading up to Christmas, um, we've spent some time considering the very first promise of redemption in the Scriptures. Um, In the Greek, it's called the Proto-Evangelium, or simply the first gospel. And obviously, all gospel means is good news. And it's set against the backdrop, this good news of bad news. There is need for a promise for God to give us good news because things have gone terribly wrong. And during this season of Advent and Christmas, this bad news is depicted as darkness. As we read in Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. God's kingdom of light, His original intention in creation was marred by deception and pride and therefore plunged into darkness. And it speaks to our ignorance. We wander in the cold darkness because we do not know the truth. But into that deep darkness, into the midst of human despair and destruction, God creates an ember of light. He gives a promise of good news, and it comes, this promise, in the form of a promised birth. One born of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, the source of darkness. Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity, God says to the serpent, between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the hill. So God makes this wonderful promise of victory, of deliverance, and it comes in the form of a promised birth. And now there would be many great deeds in the history of the people of God, the nation of Israel. There would be tyrants disposed, Pharaoh and Og and the rest. There would be seas parted and rivers stopped up. There would be improbable battles won. But nothing mattered more in the history of Israel, than the womb. Nothing was more important than that the Hebrew women would continue to bear children because it was through this childbearing that the promise would come. The promise would not be realized on the battlefield with Gideon. It would not be realized on the battlefield with uh, King David or in the palace courts with Saul or Samuel. But the promise would be realized through the simple, almost overlooked act of pregnancy and childbirth. Here is how God would accomplish his purposes. And it's no surprise then that pregnancy and childbirth are central to the story of the scripture. It's packed with miraculous births, promises that the barren womb would bear fruit. We've looked at a few, Eve and the birth of Seth. Sarah and Isaac, later on in the story of the scriptures, Hannah, who was barren, and her son Samuel, just to name a few. On and on, this promise of uh, uh, the barren womb uh, producing fruit comes into the world. And because the promise is born into the world through the woman's body, there in Genesis 3.15, pregnancy and childbirth become symbolic for salvation. In other words, this, the entire process right, of a, of, of a woman giving birth from conception 
to when the child arrives becomes in the scriptures a metaphor for um, God's purposes, of how he accomplishes his purposes, rather. And every year, right, that metaphor of conception, of waiting, and then of the promised birth strikes home, especially during this season of promise and expectation, but particularly this year uh, for me and my wife personally. Our daughter is almost four months old, and so that whole experience of walking through uh, childbirth is fresh in our mind. It starts with the promise or conception, and there's uh, great excitement. <laughs> there's great excitement for what's about to come into the world, and that's a picture when we announced it um, on social media. Then comes this, uh, after the excitement, uh, dread. Um, And when you deal with the dread, finally there's this now period of waiting, which seems like forever. And it's mingled with anticipation on the one hand, so excitement about uh, this new child that's coming to the world, but also anxiety. Um, And then there's a, a few months out, us getting the crib ready, getting her room ready. And then after this long period of delay... Um, seems like forever. Then at last, it comes time for delivery. We're not going to show you pictures of that. Um, Intense pain and uh, sorrow precede incredible joy that new life has come into the world. And there she is. Um, Just uh, uh, a few moments before we left the hospital. Anyway, I show you that because that's how God brings his promises to bear in the world. He makes a promise, and then, right, we respond with excitement and joy and at the wonder of what God is going to do, and then he waits. He cultivates our faith and our patience while the promise matures in his sovereign plan, and then there is labor, and then there is sorrow, and at last he remembers his word And he brings his promise to pass. So let me read our text again this morning. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. Israel's history as a nation can be described as one long pregnancy. God gives her the promise of redemption. He tells to the nation Israel that from you a Messiah will be born. And then he brings this to pass over many long and tumultuous centuries. The nation of Israel waits as her faith is tested. She labors as the promise of God draws near. And at the fullness of time, The nation of Israel, summed up in the Virgin Mary, brings the promised one into the world. And so her labor pains, that is her many sufferings as the people of God, are forgotten because the surpassing joy that salvation has come into the world. Christ is born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And for us, that is what today is. It's a day to forget, to forget our pain and sorrow because 
The promised seed of the woman has been born. God has been faithful to his word. And the wonder and joy of it, of Jesus Christ, born at last, leaves no room for those former things to linger in our mind. And how true that is, Jesus' words, she forgets her pain for the joy that a child has come into the world. And my wife, right, she almost died in the delivery room, and a couple weeks later she's ready to do it again for the joy of a child come into the world. The pain and toil of it all are forgotten, and in hindsight have proved to be worth it. So this Christmas morning, may the glory of this day dispel all darkness and gloom from your heart. Nehemiah 8.10 Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not be grieved. Jesus Our greater and true Isaac, whose name means laughter, has been born into the world. And therefore we can say with the mother of Isaac, God has made laughter for me. Whatever our circumstances, whatever our lot, Emmanuel has come to us. Or as the prophet says, or as God tells the prophet to say, comfort, oh comfort my people. But if you noticed our passage this morning, um, it's not about Jesus' birth. It's about his death and resurrection. Jesus is just moments away from entering the Garden of Gethsemane and being taken by the Roman guard and the Jewish authorities. And his disciples are beginning to understand what's happening as he tells them what's going on. And what he does is he compares his own death and the, the grief of his disciples to the labor pains of a woman. This is the, uh, the, the turmoil and the trouble before salvation is going to come into the world. And of course then he likens his resurrection to a birth. The disciples' sorrow that they feel in their hearts will be turned into joy. So here this imagery of pregnancy and childbirth repeats itself in the cross and resurrection. And so like the disciples, our hearts grieve the crucifixion because it seems that this promise that God has made, the promise that we celebrate this morning, has been miscarried. It's been stamped out under the cruel hatred of the world. But Jesus says our grief will be turned into joy in the resurrection. The barren womb of death, which takes and does not give back, will give birth, Jesus says. He's struck down like Abel, but he's raised to new life like Seth. He is, Colossians 1.18, the firstborn from among the dead. So our laughter on this day, on this Christmas morning, is doubled. Not only has the Christ been born, but he's crushed the head of the serpent as he promised. 1 John chapter 3.8, it says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. In Christ's death, the works of darkness and death are destroyed, and the kingdom of light reigns through his resurrection. So we celebrate the two births of Jesus 
his natural birth into the world, and his rebirth and his resurrection. But there's one more uh, barren womb um, yet to give birth that we celebrate this morning. One more delivery that we await um, on Christmas morning. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, on the screen, Romans chapter 8, verse 19 and verse 22, he says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So what he's saying is that all creation is awaiting for when we, the children of God, are revealed. And then he fills it in, right, with this metaphor. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. He pictures the whole earth as a womb, which is travailing and and laboring to bring forth new life, namely the resurrection of the church. So our Lord Jesus has been born through the Virgin Mary. He has been reborn, the firstborn from among the dead, in his resurrection. And here we look to our rebirth. The earth, this barren womb, will cough up our bodies which she has devoured in death, as the prophet says in Isaiah 26, verses 17 through 19. Listen, as the pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth, she rises and cries out in labor, in her labor pains. Thus we were before you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed in labor, we gave birth, as it seems, only to wind. We could not accomplish deliverance for the earth, nor were the inhabitants of the world born. Your dead will live, your corpses will rise, you, will lie in the, you who lie in the dust awake and shout for joy, for your dew is as the dawn, dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to her departed spirits. One more birth that we await. When the Christ, born in Bethlehem, returns, not this time in his humble stable, but in the glory of heaven, When he returns, death will be erased, and this barren earth will give life once more. Our bodies will be raised from the dust and transformed to inherit the eternal kingdom. And once more, when Jesus returns, our grief and sorrow will be forgotten. The joy of salvation completed will cleanse these scarred hearts of ours from the former things. As the Apostle Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Or as Jesus says, when the child is born, when salvation is accomplished, we forget all the old and terrible things for the joy of what's come into the world. And so Jesus, our true and greater Noah, will deliver us once more through the cleansing fires into the new heavens and the new earth. He will bring us joy. And then on that day, these words that we await will be fulfilled. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Therefore, this morning I 
as we go on to celebrate and spend the rest of the day, I want to invite you to forget your sorrows in the joy and wonder of this day that Christ is born. He has been raised from the tomb as the firstborn from among the dead, and he will return once more to give us new birth. And so now we turn our hearts as the culmination of our service toward celebration in Holy Communion. This very same Christ, whose incarnation we remember and celebrate, invites us to his table. This child in the feeding trough, where the animals gather their food, is become to us true food and true drink for his people. So I invite you up now to come receive the elements of communion, to take them back to your places, and we will celebrate the birth death and resurrection and soon return of our Lord Jesus. Do that now and I'll lead us in just one moment.